Tonight's episode is brought to you by DeathRayDesigns.com, as it normally is, because Austin and the guys over at Death Ray Designs are going to be a permanent sponsor here on the channel, and you can always check out all of their terrain, uh, everything from fantasy to sci-fi, and they're working on some other stuff, a little bit more modern, um, a little bit more things in between in order to get, for you to get in your Batman games. And you can find them at DeathRayDesigns.com. They used to be called Brush for Hire, but now they're going full bore as DeathRayDesigns.com. And another one of our usual sponsors is Gigabytes Cafe in Marietta, Georgia. It is one of the Atlanta area's biggest gaming stores. If you want to go there to play miniatures, play board games, hang out, meet the community. A uh, good example this weekend, just to show you how big it is, we have a massive, massive, massive X-Wing tournament. I want to say that it's going to have close to 60 people. There will almost be no room in the store for other gamers if they're not playing X-Wing. So if you're in the area and want to come check out Gigabytes Cafe, uh, I could usually, you could usually find me there on every other Friday and Saturday mornings. Uh, find me, come say hi. We'll play some pickup games at Kings of War or Frostgrave or Batman or anything else in between. You can also find them online at gigabytes-cafe.com. And bites is spelled like in food because they does have a full menu along with a full coffee bar. I also want to run something else by you folks tonight. Apparently, uh, we have some people in Tennessee that are challenging me to come up with a game club and a cool game club name for the Atlanta area gamers. If you could think of anything, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page. Or you can email us. Uh, right now you could use my email, which is tk.crackskullstudios at gmail.com. Uh, we have an official Skirmish Supremacy email web address. However, for some reason it's not working. And it's a little faulty. So if you get a chance, come up with some great names for the club. And you can email me at tk.crackedskullstudios at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to Skirmish Supremacy. Again, I am joined by my co-host, Nick. And today we have Ash Barker and Owen in the background eating a cheeseburger from Gorilla Miniatures Games. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Owen's from Gaming with the Cooler. To be fair. He is from Gaming with the Cooler. However, right now he's just going to be called Owen Can I Has Cheeseburger. That's fair. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening, uh, Ash actually doesn't listen to podcasts, which we just found out about 30 seconds ago, which is totally fine. We're going to deal with, do with this anyway. He actually has a very successful YouTube channel called Gorilla Miniature Games, and uh, he puts out bat reps pretty much every damn day out of the week, plus he has extra content, and uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff that he does on his channel. However, one of the things that I find important is the fact that he focuses a lot on independent games and getting smaller gaming companies up and running. So, Ash, uh, why, don't you, why don't we start this off? Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, YouTube channel. And uh, go ahead and plug the hell out of it and whore it however you want to. Uh, you know, okay. tell us a little bit how you do it. Okay. Um, well, I did it by accident. It wasn't really intentional. Uh, I started screwing around making YouTube videos after I recorded a whole bunch of YouTube videos for Mini Wargaming. Um, and that was in January of 2015. And uh, my wife had our second child in February 2015. And we decided that I was going to stay 
Wow. We decided that she was going to go back to work. And then we, we did a bit of uh, sort of like discussion about how we were going to look after the kids and what that was going to look like. And it ended up, I left Mini Wargaming in April. And I was going to do a crowdfund just because I wanted to keep making videos because it was fun and have something to do with my hobby uh, for a camera. And it went way beyond what I thought I was trying to get. I was asking for about $2,000 and I got about thirteen. And so my inbox blew up with questions of... Uh, what are you going to do? What, what's now? Like, what are your new stretch goals? Blah, blah, blah. Because at the time, you know, I'd asked for $2,000 and I had about 7000 in the fund and I had no plan for anything other than buy a camera. Uh, and so what we ended up doing was um, getting a recording space and I have friends locally who both do YouTube stuff uh, and were far, far ahead of me in doing it. Like, Owen had been doing it for what, like three, four years? Something like, like two, that? Two like years? That. Yeah. I got the wrong sandwich. I'm bummed out now. You're super bummed out. Okay. He's making he's making the selfiest own face right now. You have no idea. <laughs> Selkier than his normal own face, which you will probably find hard to believe. Um, but anyway, uh, so we got together and we talked about having a recording space. Because one of the things you do YouTube videos for those of you that do it, that's hard is um, when it comes to making content is having people in a place to do it. Uh, you don't necessarily just want to invite strangers into your house, right? Like you don't want to have people come and, like, go play games where your kids sleep. Because you never know what kind of weirdos are on the Internet. Like, that could just be a terrible idea and not one you're not super comfortable with. So what we did is we got together, and we built a recording space. Um, we got some office park uh, real estates. Uh, we installed workbenches, built a little sound studio, um, and just kind of pooled our resources. Because for one of us to do it individually didn't make a lot of sense, but with this capital, uh, we had basically six months' worth of overheads, and, uh, you know, an idea, and we got together and did it. So we, we just basically pool resources. We all have access to the scenery, the table, the gaming mats, the models. Um, we all pool our resources when new games come in, and we want to do features or we help out indies um, to kind of just make what we want to make, but all kind of share a space to make it in. Um, and after that, we were I was looking for a way to make it sustainable, because obviously the crowdfund, the money was going to run out eventually. And... Through um, both video game design and comics, I was aware of this thing called Patreon. At the time, Patreon wasn't being used very much by, by YouTubers. Um, it was being used by music a lot, so like people who were recording music and trying to get noticed in the music industry were using it on YouTube. But it wasn't being used really, I don't think, in miniature gaming really at all. Uh, and I decided it was um, the perfect sort of balance between uh, social networking and um, what I wanted to do to try and continue to fund this and to have sort of the source of income while I was home with my kids. Because I could do the recording and stuff and the editing while I was, sorry, the editing and the uploading and stuff while I was with them, but the recording and stuff obviously I need to do off-site. So with a place to do it now and the equipment to do it, I needed to make it something that was viable, you know, commercially and economically. It had to be money coming in for me doing it and a point for me doing it. Um, and what Patreon allows you to do is basically be crowdfunded all the time. So if people like what you're making and they think it's worthwhile to make, they can pledge. Like when you were a kid, you know what I mean? And you do like a uh, uh, a skate. Well, actually, I'm Canadian. You probably know what a skateathon is, <laughs> but like a skateathon or a marathon or any, anything where you're trying to raise money for something, and people pledge to uh, you know support you. Let's say for a dollar for every mile you run if you're doing a marathon or something like that. It, it's basically that on a monthly basis. And the, the big pro for me was that one, if I didn't make anything. Nobody would give me any money. I know that sounds weird, but, like, I didn't want there to be... That's uh, my big thing. Yeah, I didn't want there to be some kind of, one, like, pressure for me to always be making stuff because 
that's a that's a big responsibility. That, that's effectively you starting a business. I didn't want to have a paywall site, you know what I mean, where people are paying a monthly subscription. And if I don't have time, like let's say one of my kids gets sick and I just can't work, or my wife gets sick, like I'm actually I'm actually about to go on a two week hiatus from recording because my wife's having a, a minor surgery and I'm just gonna stay home for two weeks and help her with the kids. Um, you know, like I I didn't want there to be a uh, a bunch of pressure basically to to, to, to make it that I had to be making stuff all the time. And so the way Patreon works is if unless you post something, a creation, you, no, none of your pledges get billed. Um, and it kind of ensured that people that were supporting me would always be safe, and that was like a super important thing. And Owen does exactly the same thing. He uses Patreon as well as a, a means of finding his channel. Um, and what it does is, one, it lets you be... Sorry, well, I guess it's one. It keeps the, the patrons safe. And two... It means you're not playing the YouTube game. Because that's the thing that I was really not into when I saw YouTube uh, as a medium for the first time. Because I was not really familiar with it until about 2014, 2013 when I started working for me. No, it would be 2014 when I started working for me Wargaming. Um, and it's that YouTube game of, like, you, you're going after the most viewers, so you always have to make a certain type of content. And that's where this, this indie game thing came from, was that the reason I'm able to support and do stuff for indie games and for these, like, lesser-known miniature games is because it's what the patrons want to see. Like, they, they're excited to be surprised and delighted by something they've never seen before, um, whereas on YouTube, it doesn't get a lot of views, it doesn't get a lot of subscribers because no one's ever heard of it, right? If you tag something Halo, it's going to get way bigger attention, or Warhammer 40K, it's going to get way bigger attention on YouTube, but it's nothing I'm really interested in doing. So that was kind of the double whammy, is, is Patreon is designed to support people making unique, different, and individual content um, and to give them continuous funding, basically. So you don't have to chase subscribers. You don't have to chase, you know, views on YouTube and stuff because I'm not interested in that. I'm not. You, there's, there's this whole culture of YouTubing that it, it's not what I do. I don't I don't really... I'm not a YouTuber. I make YouTube videos. I'm a, I'm a war gamer, and I like making miniatures, <laughs> right? Like, I painted almost 200 miniatures so far this year you know, in, in April, and, and that's what's exciting to me. I, I happen to make videos about it, but what I really do is I make games, you know what I mean? Like, I, I make and produce and show people different games. If here's this hair, yeah. and I'm going to cut it in this way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, thank you. No problem. Yeah, yeah, well, we just <laughs> talked about that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Like, <laughs> like literally 10 minutes ago? <laughs> but, but for me, that's, that's what keeps us interesting and exciting, too. Like, I wouldn't want to... I, I couldn't do this and produce five games a week plus, like, the additional stuff I do on weekends if it wasn't something that was interesting to me. And that would mean that I would have to be making, like, the top sort of, like, interest content all the time, the mainstream games and mainstream interesting stuff. Um, and, and so that's where we're at. We're almost a year in. June will be a year for the channel and for us all posting stuff live. Uh, end of April will be the, the year for the co-op itself. Uh, and we're pretty much rolling at this point. It's self-sustaining. Um, we're... we're you know, booking lots of games. People are really excited about it. We've managed to help out people locally. Um, Owen's actually built a really big Infinity Meta in Hamilton that's that's kicking off and starting to grow. Um, I've helped uh, friends of mine start a, a Weekender uh, twice a year in Toronto that's been really successful so far, and we're starting to draw people in from the States and from um, uh, just other provinces outside of Ontario and stuff too, which has been really good. Uh, we've helped... 32, the patrons have basically helped back 32 different small miniature games and companies and widget people um, to get their stuff shown to people. Uh, a couple of them have been really successful. We helped out um, Osprey with Frostgrave, and I think that first Frostgrave video that we made, Owen, has like 20,000 views or something like that now. And I mean, for YouTube, it's not that many, but for a game that 
wasn't really a huge game. You know what I mean? It, it was a it was kind of a big deal. Right, uh, it kind of popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it won Game of the Year, and I thought that was super exciting. That a, that a, a sort of casual for funsies. Uh, just a book. D and D light book. One game of the year, yeah. Like miniatures came out, but yeah, but they were just licensed. They were just miniatures that already existed. A lot of those were just cobblestone minis that that were already got repurposed, um, and that was super cool. So, so it's we're really happy with where we're at right now. Um, I think the most important thing is we're just having a lot of fun. Like we're just kind of making like right now. Actually, we're um, Owen's been playing the Battlefleet Gothic miniature game or uh, video game a whole bunch, and we've just busted a bunch of old Battlefleet Gothic stuff to try and recreate one of the missions from the video game in like original Battlefleet Gothic and just give it a give it a go, because just for fun. And so so that's kind of what keeps us going, you know what I mean? We're having a good time making sort of the stuff that pops into our head, and and the helping people out has made it really rewarding, too. Right, so let's talk a little bit more about how you guys said that you, you didn't want to chase views. I think that's something that uh, I've talked to some people that have talked to me in the past about trying to get a YouTube channel started, and they're kind of wondering, like, what is the investment that it takes for me to make a decent YouTube channel? You know, they're not looking to become, like, mini wargaming or something like that, but uh, I, I guess, yeah, kind of going back into that whole, uh, you know, view chasing, like, how, how big of a chore can that be? Um, well, it's, okay, so so there's there's two things that I would say are the big chore there. One is you have to make content that other people like, not necessarily content that you like. So if you're super excited about the most popular current miniature games, then great. You know what I mean? If you're super excited about whatever sort of the internet meta is excited about, about a mainstream game, then that's probably awesome for you, and you get to make stuff that you're excited about. But it will be one-dimensional because popularity, right, mainstream popularity for games, like if you were just to be like, all I do right now is make competitive X-Wing videos, right? So X-Wing is a hugely popular game, low entry level, and you make five videos a week um, of games, and then two videos a week where you deconstruct the new releases, you talk about lists, you talk about the championships, whatever, um, you would probably do really well. Because one, it's tied to a very successful IP, and not just a miniature wargaming IP, but like a big IP in general, so those tags go a long way. Um, and two, uh, there's a lot of resources out there for you to not even have to know about that stuff. You can just literally go to forums and all the information you need to make those videos, someone else has already thought up. Like, you don't have to do any work or even be good at those miniature games to be able to make good quality content for them as long as you can understand what you're reading and know where to go on the internet to find that information. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to be absolutely relentless because YouTube is like um, TV. People want to know when something's coming out and they want to have a schedule. So you, you need to always be releasing stuff and it needs to be the same stuff on the same day of the week or at least in the same schedule. Like Even if you do once a month, if it's the third Friday of every month something comes out, you need to have it out the third Friday of every month. And then people, <laughs> no one's laughing right now because he's like, I just do what I want when I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm not any of the things that he's listing right now. It's like, do things that you're really, like, I just do whatever I feel like doing. I know, but you are, you are the dark horse. You're, 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 you're the arrows in the night. You're the, you're the one that cannot be predicted. I'm just um, picturing him sitting there like Cartman going, whatever, whatever, I do what I want. He just, he is the living embodiment of a giant little finger pretty much all the time. <laughs> Everything, um, but you know that's that really is true. Like it, it there's it, it, the same things that go to do with um, TV programming have to do with YouTube programming. So, so if you want to be chasing mainstream viewers, you need to be consistent. I'll be honest, I, I would I would hazard dollars to donuts. That's why channels like Mini Wargaming have grown 
as much as they have. If you look at just the raw number of videos on their channel, they have been releasing content every day for like seven years. And so that's the reason why they have 200,000 subscribers is because every day you can go and click on your YouTube homepage and there's a new video by them. You know what I mean? You're always engaged with them. Um, you're always clicking through. So they're always getting revenue from it. And you're never not in the YouTube metrics, right? So you get pushed higher and higher on the, the, the metrics that Google uses to say, if you liked this video, you should check out this video by. Because they constantly have the same tag videos coming out over and over and over again. So... So it really is a marathon, right? There's no quick way to have a successful YouTube channel. It's about the kind of content you make and then making it on a completely relentless sort of schedule. Gotcha. I guess that makes sense because, you know, now that you kind of hearken it to the akin of being television, it it makes a lot more sense. Because I know for a while I tried doing a YouTube channel and to be honest with you, like, there's so many times I was like, fuck, man, I am not Walt Disney and I don't have all the hours in the day to sit here and, you know, film a 20-minute you know, what would be when it's done a 20-minute video and take three hours editing it. Like, I just did not have that kind of time. Yeah. So, yeah, that it's was tough. Run. Like, it's, if, I wasn't, if I wasn't home with my kids, I couldn't do this. There's no way. There is actual work involved. Yeah, Ton- tons of it. <laughs> like, tons of actual work involved. Um, and, and it's funny because it might look like we spend an hour, two hours, or three hours playing a game a couple times a week. But there is tons of back-end stuff getting ready for that, doing the editing, the pre- and post-production, and even just all the labor we put into building this place so that we can come in here and it's relatively turnkey, we can set up and be filming really fast. Like it that's that's I think that's the being good at doing something like this. It's not a it's not a, a checklist of things that you do. It's just the experience of knowing how can I how can I do all my my steps as quickly as I can to get the things done I can need to do while I'm here so that I can quickly do the things I need to do in the back end at home to get it up and get it uploaded in, in front of people. Um, and you can't, there's no advice for that, right? It's just doing it. It's knowing how your camera works. It's knowing how lighting works. It's just like, it's lots of practice and trial and error and, and experience. Yeah, pretty much repetition till mastery kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, man. It's like doing katas in, in karate or whatever, right? You have to like, you have to basically do the forms over and over and over again until there's muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. I can attest to that. <laughs> awesome. So, you guys decided to kind of go off in the direction of doing indie games. Um, I know you guys still play a lot of the mainstream stuff, but uh, what really attracted you to the indie side of the wargaming? I got bored. Yep, basically boredom. <laughs> <laughs> complete, complete boredom. And and the fact that I think for any for any of us, I'll speak for Mike now. He's not here, but <clears throat> all of us are more interested in the rule of cool, I think, than we are in what's popular. So if we like something, if we're attracted to something for whatever reason, because it's like a book we read or it's like a movie we've seen or something like that, we'll do it just because. There's nothing that's going to stop us from doing it just on our own time for ourselves. So even if I wasn't making YouTube videos, I'd still be collecting and painting miniatures for all these different games probably because I'm just interested in, in the, the puzzle that is discovering and learning a new game. Um, it's funny actually because Owen and I haven't played War Machine in a long time, but now that they've announced that there's a new edition of War Machine coming out, we're like, yay, cool, something new to try. Like, it, it's gotten us jazzed just because it's a new puzzle to go and figure out and unlock and tinker with and show people. The other um, thing, just for myself anyway, is that you get burned out a lot faster oh yeah. making videos because, like, like, when you think about how much do you play a game per week, like, how, how many games of whatever miniature game you choose to play do you play? Probably, like, one or two, maybe? Yeah, I wish. Um, I'm yeah. actually helping out part-time at a store, so... So I play, like, seven, eight a week. And, like, if you play seven or eight games of Warhammer a week, 
you will not want to play Warhammer after six months. Ever like, again. <laughs> you, you don't want to play it anymore. And that, that was what I found at, like, Wargaming. That was why I stopped playing 40K for years, is because I'm like, I played three games of 40K five days a week for, like, a year. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to play 40K anymore. I've done everything that you can think of doing in the game. Let's go play indie games, because they're constantly new and constantly different. Yeah. You're never gonna get bored because there's always some there's also there's always some rock over there to kick out kick over and, and discover and see something new and interesting of. And I think that's a that's um that's a motivator you know for us too is that it there's something fun about discovering new things you know what I mean and being um, being surprised yourself you get to you get to feel that like excitement about something when it's new. I think there's something really beneficial for the producers too in that because when people witness people being excited about something. They're more likely to get excited too, right? It's like, it's that um, that uh, what is it? All all water reaches the same level. If people see if people see and witness people having a good time, then they're gonna have a good time. Like it's it's uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a benefit I think to the videos that we make because they tend to just have goofy silly shit happen and we just roll with it. Like we don't try to make the videos perfect, especially when we're learning new games. We just go we roll with it and go like, ah, we totally screwed that up. And 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 that actually I think makes for more interesting viewing. Because what typically happens is we screw something up that probably everybody would screw up the first time, and what happens in the video is people just get to learn from us screwing it up, what not to do. <laughs> like there's a there's I think a um, a certain a certain like charm and value in uh, people muddling through that stuff and 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 people getting to witness it because they feel like they're part of it too. They feel like they have to come along for the ride. Nice. So. How often are you approached by different companies uh, to feature their independent games? Because that's kind of that's kind of become your thing now, from what I'm noticing off your channel. I mean, you still do the Age of Sigmar, you still do the 40k and the 30k. Uh, you still, you know, well, you just started on Ninth Age, but you you focus on the you focus on the big guys as well. But uh, have you found that a lot of the indie companies have reached out to you since you decided to both just kind of say fuck it, we're going to do what we want? Yeah, probably probably about. Um... I would say three or four a month reach out uh, that are games, um, and the the problem has actually become we've or for me personally I've had to come up with a set of like standards as to when I'll say yes, because a lot of these are 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 still in the formula stage they're they're ideas they're not necessarily games yet, um, and there's kind of some there's some landmines there there's some some sort of uh, depth charges in those waters where now that like you said I've got kind of a reputation for being a um, what would the term be? I'm a promoter of or a uh, evangelist of indie games and game design in general and, and people going and doing their own thing. Well, there's some risk there because let's say I was to promote a Kickstarter. Sight unseen, I'd, I'd never handled miniatures. You know what I mean? There's no The miniatures aren't even done yet. Um, the rule book isn't printed. Maybe I've seen like a test draft of the rules. Um, I've used some proxy miniatures. I've made up a game and I've played it and I've recorded it and people get all excited about it. And that crowdfund makes... Let's say half a million bucks, and then it never fulfills. Right. They take the money and they leave. So, so what have I just done? I've basically just stolen a half a million bucks from everybody that watches my shit. So, so there's been um, some some real sort of like soul searching that's had to happen when people approach us because I want to help everybody, right? But I have to have some sort of uh, you don't get through the door unless you have X or Y stuff that I've had to start saying. Uh, in order to get on the show, in order to get on Widgets Wonders or get get on a Let's Play, and that's that you have to basically be ready to go into production. Um, if you haven't assumed a bunch of risk and spent a bunch of your own money, then I can't 
I can't do anything for you. Because the most that we can do here at the co-op, like if we all three of us do a game, put it on our channels, whatever, it is people will be excited at that moment. They need to be able to go and actually buy something. Not buy an idea or try and support people making something maybe down the road that could or couldn't happen, but it has to be ready to go. And and the crowdfund needs to basically just be a pre-order. Because that's, that's really, if you look back at who we've been supporting, that's all it is. It's that with the press of a button, the people that um, have backed that crowdfund will just get their product shipped to them. Um, and, or as close to that as humanly possible because it, we're risking our reputation basically otherwise um, and I'm just not comfortable with that. That's not what this is supposed to be about and it puts, I think, my viewers um, in a bit of jeopardy financially um, and it puts our credibility I think, for all three of us in, in jeopardy too. Like We can't just go and do that because it, it has to be real. So... To be kind of clear on that point, though, it is mainly Ashley gets approached by these indie companies. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't mind that I'm not, because I'm very hit or miss on what I enjoy. And so I enjoy that he gets approached by these things, and I will usually run with them. You can try. Like, yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. is like ones that I particularly <laughs> like, I often push and go behind, like yep. uh, the the Relic Blade. Mm-hmm. Or Relic Blade. Relic Blade. Yeah, Relic Blade. Yep. I enjoyed that game, and so I'm like, I'm going to go do... Basically, I don't want to say, like, do my part, but, like, enjoy playing this game, and I want to help this game succeed. Yeah. And that's usually my shtick, is it, it has to be something that I'm interested in, and yep. I just get it through him. And be honest. Yeah, well, well, I, well I, think that's, I think there's value there, too, right? Because if we're not honest that we like something, um, and, and I'll say that, too, actually. That's been another criteria. It's like, I'm going to say what I think. Like, if I think components look cheap, or I think the resin's bad, I'm going to say that, like, maybe okay, these aren't is, final components. This is fundamentally but, broken in your yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I hope. Play. I hope this changes. Like, there's been bits and pieces where we've kind of had to say that. Like, we're we're gonna we'll give constructive feedback. We're not gonna say it's shit. You know what I mean? And just like you know, throw throw it down in a box and put it away. Um, Except that one time. <laughs> we never released that video. <laughs> so but, you, um, you've run into the dreaded, oh shit, this is so terrible. I can't even do a video on it. No, no, not really. It's not. It's not that. It's it's well. It, I, there has been that, but but like, but that doesn't usually get past me. Um, but there's also been, uh, you know, times where, like, we'll get, like, hey, can you play my game on your channel? And it's just a Word document someone's typed up of a game. You know, like, it's not, there's nothing finished. It, it's just an idea kind of speed out on a paper. And, you know, that guy's really excited, and he's really passionate about what he's doing, and you want to help him out. But you need to have some kind of, like, plan for letting him down gently and saying, like, I think it's cool, man, but, like, I'm not a playtester, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what this is about. What, what'll be good for you is if, if I do a Let's Play on a game that you've created... People are going to want to go play it, and that means they're going to want to go buy whatever you have. If it's a rule book, if it's a PDF, if it's miniatures, whatever. Um, so, like, you need to come back when it's done. <laughs> like, come back when it's I can't help. Like, there's nothing I can do to help you right now. Um, because what I do is I make videos, and those videos people love watching because it gets them excited about new things. So, you know, if if, if all you have right now is a Word document, you're not really ready to, to show this off yet. Like, you need to go and actually finish it. Um and that's been and that's been like just kind of a learning process of uh, trying to figure out what the best way to handle that is and be con- and be constructive. You know, like I, I'll always read it, I'll always take a look at it. I'm not going to not like, uh, you know, give it give a sort of like a first blush in my thoughts and stuff. But actually going into like production, making a video, and, and investing our money too, right? Like it, the the patrons' money is basically the thing that's going to pay for that video to get made. Um, it has to be something I think it's worth doing, uh, not just for the producer, but also for the viewer. Like it has to be something that's, that's safe for them to watch, uh, you know, and potentially invest money in if they think it's cool and they're going to buy it. Um, and it's got to be something that's actually cool. Like, if it's not fun to watch, like, why am I making it? 
Right, and I totally understand that. So you know, you're you're talking, you're talking about approaching games from like a finish standpoint. Um, and you know, then we got games like Frostgrave, and this is not a test. And you know, I'll, I'll use this is not a test as a prime example of that. When you first showed that off, I think he only had what two or three miniatures, and uh, he had two complete warbands. Okay. Two- he- the thing is, it was so under people's radar that nobody even knew. He had he had wasteland creatures finished. He had mutants and peacekeeper warbands finished. Um, he had uh, the the full color rulebook PDF done by Dave Taylor all finished. Um, everything was done. Uh, so like it was not a um, an unfinished product at all. Like and and in fact, when that first video came out, it broke his web store. People went and bought everything he had. Like, like I, I'm going to Cold Wars next week, and I have to get more stuff spun because like it all sold. So it was it was um, super successful. And he was he was at the point where like he was actually demoing the game, uh, like just face to face with people at conventions with all of his own miniatures. Like he had them all designed and ready to go. Yeah, that's some serious commando work. I we actually have him coming on this next week to talk to us about how he did all this because. I think his approach is great and also extremely ballsy at the same time. Well, it's commitment, man. Like that guy that guy is the hardest working game designer I know. He did it all himself. Like everything he did, he painted all the models, uh, he did all the terrain. Like it is a hundred percent a labor of love over a lot of years to get that game looking the way it was. Yeah, and it, it definitely shows. Um I have not had a chance to sit down and play a game of this is not a test yet, but it's something that Nick and I are gonna do very soon here because I've got a whole bunch of miniatures that are going to work for plenty of warbands. Yeah, well, I think it strikes the same... It's funny. I don't know if you know this, but him and the guy that wrote Frostgrave used to work in a gaming store together in Baltimore. <laughs> I did not <laughs> they're, know they're that. Actually, yeah, they're actually old co-workers, which is hilarious. Um, it's, well, the miniature wargaming world is super small. Uh, but um, but they're they're very similar, I think, uh, in what they key off of as far as like the hobby is both sides are super into, um, uh, you know, the, the rule of cool. Like, this is not a Tessa's game that you can use any models for. And the same with Frostgrave. Like, if you just have a pile of old D&D minis somewhere in a closet that you haven't looked at in, like, 20 years, then you can throw them together in a warband and play a game. And I think that's what's so awesome with those games is they, they are just as effective uh, as just standalone rulebooks as they are as, like, miniature lines. Yeah, which is something that I still find odd, you know, my background coming from Coolman or not, you know, it, it definitely is one of those things that I was kind of, when I first got into the industry on the business side of things is that idea that, like, if you don't have models, nobody's going to give a shit about what you have. And to watch those two games blow up like that kind of caught me off guard. Well, I think it's a pendulum swing, right? Um, you get to a point where you've been told for so long that you can't play unless you have official miniatures... But then you have all these miniatures that maybe can't even play with anymore because the game's gone or because the, you know, additions have changed, you don't use them anymore. Um, and then the game comes along where you get to dust them off and use them again. So it's, I think it's just, a, a, you know, the culture of miniature wargaming goes in cycles. And this is uh, uh, sort of like how hipsters dress like kids in the 80s. This is the 80s miniature wargaming world coming back into chic. I guess that makes sense in its own yeah. strange, sick way. It's fashion, man. It's just fashion. Bell bottoms are going to be cool again, I swear to God. <laughs> awesome. So, Owen, I know that uh, you've been kind of commenting in over there. So what games are you... Actually, for like two seconds. Can we take a two-second break, actually? Yeah, no problem. All right. Here you go. Can you unmute this? I just did. All right. I'm back again. What's up? Cool. So, 
We're, we're also joined by Adam from Greenleaf Train because he's here now too. Yeah. <laughs> Christ, it's just a whole freaking party. All right, Adam, how's it going? Oh, man, this is a Christmas party all over again. So we're not drunk. Uh, I'm good. We're a little drunk. <laughs> Great. So, for those of you that don't know, Adam from Greenleaf Terrain makes uh, terrain. He's actually really, really damn good at it. Go check out his channel, Greenleaf Terrain. It's on yeah, YouTube. He just made a kick-out Morka Morka Terrain set that, like, blew my mind. Now he's dying. I hear he's he's going to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and as, as I was asking you, um, Ash focuses a lot on indie games on his channel. What, what do you uh, really promote on your side of things, on the Gaming with the Cooler? <laughs> What do I what do I really promote? Yeah. It's very flavor of the week sort of things. Like it's it literally comes down to whatever I'm interested in at the time. Um I I find that if if I don't like something, it's usually pretty apparent. And so uh, <laughs> I often decide to just play things that I'm enjoying and then I just you'll notice it constantly like I was thinking about it the other day as I was looking, I'm like I've been playing Infinity probably for like two or three months now, pretty consistently. And then before that, it was War Machine. And then before that, it was Fantasy. And before that, I'm like, I just go through these moods of while wow, I change up games. So it'll be whatever the next thing will be, whatever the next thing is, which I'm probably coming to soon. You played a bunch of Mordheim recently. Yeah, Mordheim was yeah. a big thing for like a month. Yeah, and you played the video game again, and then that gets you. Now excited. I'm excited again because I got my backstabbing <laughs> backstabber. That's the name of my warband. It is amazing. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny because as as the as the person outside of Owen watching Owen do things, um, I can verify that it's kind of like watching an episode of What's Inside Herman's Head to just totally date myself. <laughs> and like it, it really is just like whatever he's sort of like excited about in the moment tends to be what he makes. And actually, I think that's why it's often so fun is that it's um it's pretty spur of the moment and it, it tends to get very genuine reactions when just stupid random shit happens. Very often in games. A lot, yeah. Like that, that gothic video game that you caught where the guy stole the information off you and then like a second yeah, before yeah, you yeah. away you stole it back is amazing. Well, that's a video game, right? It's but cheering. that's a game that I just wanted to support. Well, not support, really. I mean, I guess it is supporting it because I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this series of a video game that I enjoy. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things that I, I just do things that I enjoy doing. So whatever I feel like doing is what I'm going to make. And if people are interested in watching the things that I enjoy then, uh, well, good for them. You know, that, that's the answer the guy that killed Cyrus at the end of the Warriors gave. I don't know why I do these things. I just like doing things like that. <laughs> <laughs> the models. Is that, is that what's going to happen? Yeah, man? basically. Clink, clink, clink. Just do what I enjoy. <laughs> that's right. You, you know, Warriors. <laughs> Pretty much every time Ash mentions the Warriors, I end up going and watching it again. It's uh, a great movie. Great movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah, speak, so speaking of Warriors and uh, video games, have you guys ever played the Warriors video game back in the day when it was out of place? Yeah, correct the thought. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a Saints Row clone is what it was. It was all like Saints Which Row. Which is a Grand Theft Auto clone. Which, I guess you're right, yeah. That's true. I just like the fact that there's a couple parts in the game where uh, you can beat the shit out of the cops and like put their hats on and you're just running around like beating the hell out of gangsters and cops and you're wearing a cop hat. I always thought stuff like that was just funny that they added those little bits of like kind of, like, weird twisted comedy in the game and on top of the fact that they were trying to, like, stay true to the, uh, well, at least true to the movie as much as possible. Yeah. So, uh, you guys have been doing quite a bit with 
Age of Sigmar. I'm going to ask you a tough question on this one. <laughs> I literally can't stop myself. <laughs> Some days I try to sleep at night, and then Age of Sigmar keeps me up. You made one game. I didn't even make a game. I, was I, I remember game. You're, you're, you're recorded one game. He's never filmed I did a review. You did, you did. And then I did a sober version That's of right. the same review. <laughs> that review has got more hits, I think, than any other video you've ever made. That's not true. There's it's a 40K video. Is there? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's that one's one. It's up there though. It's the like forty or fifty thousand. Right? Please stand by for temporary incoherent rage. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, that's the one. That's a good video. <laughs> so uh, what I'm gathering is, Owen, you are not a fan. Ten out of ten. <laughs> I'd buy it again every it time. It's it's not Owen's. Um, I'd say wheelhouse that game. It's too it's too free right. So have you guys uh, taken a look at Ninth Age or? Uh, I know you guys have done some Kings of War. And I know that a lot of the adopters have no. gone over to that. We both no, we both played the Hell or Ninth Age actually in um, December. Yeah, like, there there are probably like seven or eight games between each of us. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with the Ninth Age is that uh, it needed to slow down, which is apparently what they're going to be doing. So yeah. they're coming to like a version one, and they're going to sit on it for like at least a month. Which no, is six months. They said it's six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah, well, better than every Saturday that the game doesn't just change, but like fundamental things would change, like. Entire game, like game-breaking abilities, would get switched, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna release a video next week. Oh, everything it's in my video is obsolete, already. and now I'm being told that I did it wrong yeah. because I played <laughs> previous week's rules, and now I have to go try and relearn the like tiny little minutia that changed. Yeah, I'm like, ah, just screw it. I'll come back when it stays. And that's what, that's what we did. We spent about four months probably not filming any games because it just it was it was too. Um... Uh, protean, I guess would be the correct word to use. Like it was, it was changing shape all the time, and so for our schedule, because we film stuff sometimes, like I film stuff sometimes like sixty days in advance. You know, if I'm really backed up on a game, if I have lots of them recorded, it might not come out for a month or two months, and so that means that it it was it wasn't it didn't fit basically our recording schedule and content production stuff for me. Um, and if I was, if I want to do something right, I actually want to build an army for it. And if the rules for the armies are changing all the time, I can't even write an army list. Like I can't start building and painting, collecting miniatures, if I don't have a static like plan for the army. It's going to stay the same all the time. Well, right. I mean, building a list for an army is half the fun when it comes time to games like that. Well, in Warhammer, you're talking about 100 plus models too, right? For Another reason Sigmar. why Age Sigmar is tenet. Army lists. Does all the time? Arm building. That's it. Hey man, it's it's a fun game if you just let it be fun. If you can just let it be fun, it's fun. But you gotta do a lot of work to make it fun. You gotta so, do a lot of work to make it fun. That's right. Not as much work as Warhammer to make it fun, but still a bunch of work. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The um, the the stuff with uh, Ninth Age though. Now that it's settled down, we're probably like coming coming up on like late spring, early summer. We'll probably take a look at it again and start looking at like building armies. We're, we're right now we're in the middle of Kings of War. Because Kings of War is the way it is, right? We're not changing uh, that rulebook anytime soon. So we're both. He's working on a goblin army. I'm building an ogre army, but I'm also looking at allies because I think my ogres would be super cool with some crazy war engines and shit in them. So I don't know, maybe chaos forms, something like that. Goblins and hydras. Goblins and hydras. Goblins and, and evil elves. Giants and hydras. Hey, giants and hydras. Cool. That'd be a scary list. That's the current like painting in the background stuff that we're doing. Nice, yeah, because uh, Nick and I actually just got into Kings of War. Um, I've had some figures for a few months, but I, you know, it was taking me forever to find players down here in Atlanta for some reason, which I don't quite understand. But um, you know, it was uh, since I've started playing it, I, I've really come to appreciate what it is. You know, like a lot of people they play it and they're like, oh, well, this is going to be the exact replacement for 
uh, Warhammer Fantasy, and I'm like, it's not even the same game. Like, it's really hard to make that distinction. I know that they release rules for, like, similar armies, but it doesn't play the same either. It's it's Rank and Flank Age of Sigmar, is what it yeah. is. It's Age of Sigmar with Ranks and Flanks, that's all. Um, it's it's wonderfully streamlined. I mean, I think the thing Owen and I like about it the most is that in two or three hours, we can play two games. Yep. Yeah. You can crush our game super fast. And for us, <laughs> being able to re- like play games and have to be fluid, there's not a lot of rules interactions you can screw up because it's just dice pools against dice pools for the most part. Um, it, it's a wonderful game to record because it's intuitive. It sets up fast and tears down fast because you're not pulling piles and walls off everything. Uh, yeah, no, it's just... it's. It, I wouldn't say it's Warhammer Light, but it's. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I, I think it's because yeah. you cut out the army list. Like the you army do, building yeah. is basically non-existent. It's, like, well, it's, it's less granular. Comparatively. It's yeah, it's blo- it's yeah. blockier the army building is. There's there's not a lot of granulation because you can't change unit sizes the way you can. Or equipment in those units. Yeah. Or heroes are like just totally just a different are. scale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a less granular version of Warhammer. I'd say it's. I think it's what you're gonna see with. It's funny because if you compared Warhammer Fantasy to Kings of War. Like 8.5 to King's War. I'm betting that all of this hubbubbly right now with War Machine and the third edition War Machine, that's what they're looking at doing is removing some of that granularity from. I'm telling you, Age of Signar. Yeah. Age of Signar is coming. Age of Signar, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> removing some of that granularity from the game so they can scale it up because they need to sell more models. I mean, it's it's been 13 years since they released the first Battle Group boxes, and the game isn't played with 15 models anymore. It's played with like 60 models. Right. And they with 100 models. Yeah. Well, they just, they just came out today. Um, uh, Facebook friends of some of the guys that work over at Privateer, and they were saying that like 75 is the new 50 as far as their point cost goes. Right. Well, they've so, scaled up. They said they're scaling up all the points. They're doubling the Warcaster points. I think it'll be really interesting is that you'll have probably three or four high point models in the current edition that are just free. Yeah. Like your whole battle group will just be free. That's apparently the, the the war the battle boxes that you've seen. I'm sure released are all zero point battle boxes. Like that's that's the that's the thing I've heard anyway is that all of those jacks that you see that come with the caster is a total of a zero point list, which is insane. Well, it means that there's a forty dollar pre purchase before you even start building your army, which is awesome for them, right? You're talking about you're talking about potentially you and your GW attitude. That's look, it. Look, that was my attitude, and everyone called me out on it. It's fine. <laughs> well, but it's funny that I, I don't think it'll get recognized because it's not someone like GW doing it, but because Privateer's doing it, it means that. The, the, the person who buys a starter set to that game doesn't actually have any points yet, right? They need to invest dollars to actually Probably get those 75 do. points. I mean, they have the invisible points. The Warjack points are points your game because you can't they play without are, yeah. them. So. No, but it means that 75 points is actually 75 points In plus addition. whatever the, yeah, yeah. the Warcaster points are. So if every Warcaster has 25 points, which is like two lights and a heavy, yep. basically, right? Like in today's point values... Then you're talking about that basically being... 25 points? The basic building points. Two yeah. heavies and a light, yeah. yeah. Actually, probably more than that, because you can get a lot of six-point heavies. Oh, for but sure, anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but like, even if they're out of point pieces yeah. or whatever, yeah. And then um, my other prediction, I'm going to call it right now, is that they do away with uh, individual unit or model-by-model combat. That, that would be the other thing I think I'd... I'd if, if they're going to make it less granular and they want to speed the game up and let you play with more models, it's got to be units fighting units, not models fighting models. Do you, I don't know, man. I think it would be really tough to pull off with that game, especially with the weight. Well, again, I'm, I'm talking about current edition. No. Well, but think about it. Think about it. All you'd have to do is use dice pools, right? So instead of having instead of having um, every model fight every model, every follow every model in range adds a dice to the attack pool. Every model that's defending gets their set defense value. 
and you just chuck dice, right? Instead of having defense 12, you have defense 3. And every dice that gets chucked, it's 3 plus is a hit, and they used to play them. And then it's Kings of War. No, really. no, you just keep the bell curve. So you have, like, everyone's mat 5, yeah. and everyone's defense 7, or 10, and, and then you go 2d6, and for each one you exceed their defense, they lose a model. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. H- however you want to do it. It's But it, there's lots of easy ways to make that that fast dice approach to that game so that you're not doing a thousand million steps. It's about process removals, right? Right now when a 10-man unit fights a 10-man unit, there could be 20 processes that go into resolving that. That's like a that that can take like fifteen minutes. Yeah. Because I have seen like if so you have a unit of errants that have self sack tough no knockdown martyrdom all on the table, and then you get attacked by like uh, somebody who has a uh, gunshot and a melee attack with a special ability, and you end up going like oh they have sidestep and a melee attack and then they take a range attack because they have quick work and you're like so you hit me I tough I'm not knocked down. I, I martyr to the other guy, or I sacrifice to this guy. But you killed that guy, so you can have quick work, and you shoot, and like it takes forever for that yeah, conflict. There's like eight processes for one model to attack while it's attacking, like attacks on either side, basically. It's yeah. ridiculous. <clears throat> yeah, I could definitely attest to that, especially uh, you know when I first started, I was a troll player, so you oh. know I, I know things have changed since then. Um, but you know one of the big things, uh, you know, and again this is going back to like when Mark II first started, where it was just basically like. You know, people are always like, oh, well, I'm going to counter what you do and things like that. And I'm like, sure, that's great, except for the fact that none of what I'm doing are spells. So, you know, now you're dealing with that whole tier of like, well, these are special abilities that act like spells, but they're not spells, and they have these stacks and bonuses. And... Yeah, it's cl- clause-based gameplay. you gotta, you got to pull out all those clauses and make it more intuitive. Right. If X, then Y. But if Y, then Z. I can never get over, if you throw a small guy at a big guy, it's more damaging than a big guy at a small guy. You want to talk about something that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> when you talk to somebody like, hey, I'm going to throw my guy at your warjack, that does more damage to you than if I throw the warjack at the guy. Yeah, <laughs> no. That is the mechanic in the game currently. That's how it works. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> we, we like we like symbols. To come back to Kings of War, I think there's a lot to be said for um, less steps and more gameplay. Because then you're more focused on the things you can influence, like positioning and planning turn by turn ahead so you know where you are in three turns, then you are focused on the individual process of each individual model. And there, there's something fun about that when it's like 10 or 15 models. There's something soul-destroying about that when it's like 75 models. Yeah, I can see that. One of the things I like about it is the fact that, you know, it, they designed it to be simple like that, so that way you didn't have to go through the rulebook constantly. And on top of that, too, the fact that the game is designed to use a chess clock. Which game? We're talking about War Machine. Oh, War Machine? Oh, Kings of War. No, uh, Kings of War. Actually, it is designed specifically to use a chess clock. Yeah. Huh. It's a look, yeah. yeah fair they, enough. they actually suggest that in the rules. Oh, does it read the rules? Yeah, I've never... I've never <laughs> not one time. <laughs> I've never even opened the War Machine. Oh, literally. I've been on Battle thing? What is it called? The no, video the, game? No, Battle Scribe. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, the the one with Clarence. Yeah. Was, oh, what is that even called? Universal Battle. Universal Battle. Yeah, yeah he yeah. learned he learned to play against a guy, a friend of mine, living in Korea, on Universal Battle on the internet. There's a, a, a virtual demo game. That's it. Never even opened the rule book. Has yeah. no idea what he's doing. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Battle Scribe. Yeah. Neither of which are trustworthy. That, no, not at all. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh wow, that's a uh, that's pretty nutty. We fly by night up here, man. That's, that's how we do. Yep. <laughs> it's all Rush songs all the time. <laughs> so what that's, do you got coming? 
so what do you got coming up next? What's the, what's the new hotness that you've got coming out here in the next uh, couple of weeks as far as videos go? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Everything's exciting, Ash. I don't know what's coming out. I don't know. Something, <laughs> something fun. Well, it's funny because I'm because what I'm building, what I'm what I'm excited about right now, I'm making for a month from now, right? So like the things that I'm 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 super excited about that I'm like neck deep in are stuff that won't be released for like a month. So stuff that's releasing this month that I think is pretty cool. Um, I did basically a dungeon crawl, uh, war scroll for uh, Age of Sigmar that was like just super well received. People really liked it. Um, and it's in, in the no, he hasn't played it yet though. He won't. He, he actually I think would enjoy it if he just let himself. If you let love into it, then love would be there. But unfortunately, it, it's it's three sizes too small. So um, the uh, the the nature of the game is that one guy basically plays. A group of heroes, um, and then he is hunting down a villain to his lair, and the other guy plays the, the lair, the villain. So one guy gets to pick basically a posse of heroes, the other guy gets to pick um, a villain who can be bigger than the heroes basically are individually. And then the villain gets to unleash... It's just like playing Diablo. So you enter a new zone on the table, and it unleashes a wave of minions, and then if you clear the minions, you get to unlock loot. So it's just an Age of Sigmar version of insert board game here, uh, Arcadia Quest, or Hero Quest, or what was the other one? Um, uh, Super Dungeon Explorer. That that kind of stuff. Um, Just with whatever heroes you like from Warhammer. So... Uh, you can either be the villain, the good guy, or the bad guy. The bad guy could be a good guy, so like the villain could be like you know some like arch lector or something like that. It's being assassinated by like, a bunch of skaven assassins. It's it's whatever story. I'm pretty you sure want arch lectors don't exist anymore. Well, I'm sure someone tells the people what Sigmar wants. So the arch. I don't think there are any people. Sig- I'm pretty sure they're all <laughs> just that. electrical people it's inside just, of. It's all just space soulless ghost. robots. Soulless space ghost robots. This is, this is you don't even you never opened a book. How would you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's looked at some pictures. That's all he knows. He looked at some pictures once. I filled he, it in. You filled in the blanks. All but I anyway, see is some super conductive blood angels. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. So <laughs> I just did. Yeah, but you're blind. Uh, okay. Um, but the uh, the the fun thing has been I've gotten to paint a whole bunch of just like super cool hero minis um, and a bunch of just goons and, and monsters. Uh, and so I thought it was really cool. I think it's very much in the vein of Age of Sigmar of, hey, are you excited about some models? Let's have a reason to play them. So I made that available to people online too. They can download it off of any of the videos. Um, and a bunch of people like went crazy for it and like made it pretty. And then we're asking to like record their own videos. So that's been super cool. Uh, I have um, I have some stuff I'm working on right now. I finally found a reason to paint my Robotech minis, which I'm kind of excited about. Because uh, Joe at Osprey is doing or has just released another miniature game called um, what is it? Horizon Wars. Um, and Horizon Wars is a six to ten millimeter uh, like mecha game where you can also use combined arms. You can have airplanes, infantry, whatever. But it's all build your own army list. So you just take whatever your... It's just like it's like Frostgrave for giant robot games. Take whatever your existing model collection is, and you can make rules for it, and you can customize the rules for whatever you have. Um, and it's relatively low model count, so it's probably at most 15 models, um, and it plays in about an hour. And uh, it's been like super cool to check out. I'm currently unpacking my... Um, Robotech Tactics box that I received like four years later <laughs> uh, for the first time ever and actually looking at building some of them and them. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be super cool. I'm going to do a Let's Play on it. Um, and then in the future, it's all Secret Scrolls for the most part. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I can talk about right now that's not like so nebulous that if I talked about it, it still might not happen, and so I'm not going to bother. I totally get that. 
Oh, I'd ask you, but I know you probably don't know what you're doing tomorrow. I don't know what I'm doing today. <laughs> 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 he showed up and he forgot to dress himself again. <clears throat> yep, that's why I record from the waist up. That's it, always. <laughs> In my video, pants are optional. Definitely not required. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's the beauty of filming in your own studio. Because you can't pull that off in a game store. I mean, you could. You'd just be arrested. It's, 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 yeah. you probably pull it off for as long as it takes the local police response time to get there. <laughs> well, this is very true. So what do you guys have on the painting tables right now? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I have I have um, a hack Islam army. I have a Dark Age army. I have a Goblin army. I have a 40K army. Um, get guard the top army, of my head. Actually. Yeah, it's a guard, guard army. Guard I, guard I, I painted a hundred guardsmen on Sunday, <laughs> and now I'm gonna paint the other hundred probably this coming Sunday. Oh and then I've got like 300 goblins now, um, and then like eight dark age models. Yep. So that's the step down when I'm only gonna paint maybe a dozen. Yeah, yeah. Spend spend a, spend a lavish 45 minutes on each dark age miniature as opposed 45. to the, the three minutes you spent on each goblin. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I'm talking crazy time. We'll get no, to like... Because you glue sand on their bases. There's drawing time in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, there's not. No, it's, it's, that is, yeah. The sand is part of the painting time. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, we've already replaced all of his basing with stickers. So we can just do away with that whole process. <laughs> yeah, we have. We're not even doing sand anymore. That's too much work. It is. Here's the new way. I gotta order it's more of those. Gaming mats for your bases. No, some guys. So this is something yeah. that I didn't even think of, but it's amazing if you take this logically. Like, so you have one inch hole punch, right? Yeah. You buy your Operation Ice Storm bag, pack. Yeah. And you go, well, this is a cool mat, but I don't really think I'm gonna use it to play on. So you punch out ah. one inch holes of the mat and then just glue those on as your bases, and it looks really good. I have both the hole punch and several. And mats I also have. Okay. That. Yeah. yeah so okay, that's what I'm probably gonna do. <laughs> new plan. Same as the old plan. Yeah, hacks getting rebased. Got it. Oh man, yeah i <laughs> i uh, I have way too much on my desk, unfortunately. I've got uh, I've still got a whole bunch of Kings of War ogres. Oh god, uh, what else have I got? I've still got some Dark Age stuff. I've got a whole go. bunch of. I got a whole bunch of Batman. I've got a whole bunch of Age of Sigmar that I shouldn't get painted just because. Um, the Alien vs. Predator board game, I really want to paint that because I'm a huge Predator fan. Oh, what else do I got? And a, a ton of terrain, but uh, you know that because I've been posting it up in your hobby group. So, yeah, uh, my desk is full. And unfortunately, I'm going to be moving in a couple of months, too. The wife and I are buying a house, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to get as much done as possible and then get it packed into boxes. Is the house nearby? You can just take a carload over at a time. That's what I usually do. We'll buy something nearby. Yeah, unfortunately, I'll be moving about uh, 45 minutes from where I'm at now. Oh, there you go. You can totally start at my house. What side of the lane are you on? Uh, I am... We're, so I'm just north of Atlanta in a town called Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used to, I used to, um, I used to work with the store manager in the Atlanta store, Kenny. So I used to travel around Atlanta all the time, actually, and I would stay... On the north side. I don't think I'd stay in Woodstock, though. Because yeah, it's a little, right? There's the big yeah, loop city. Yeah. I was going to say, Woodstock is a little bit north um, north of Marietta. Because usually if people are going into Atlanta, they, they'll if they want to get out of Atlanta and go a little bit north, they usually go about Marietta. is about as far north as they'll go. Um, 
But uh, I don't know if you're familiar with where Sewanee is, but that's where I'll be moving to. It's it's another major city right. kind of connected to everything that is Atlanta. Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, um, I'm working on everything because I have everything, and I'm working on everything. Right now I'm painting the hero groups. i got a four-man uh, Chaos Warrior hero troop that I'm going to call the Four Horsemen. I'm doing Page of Sigmar. Um, I got those Kings War Ogres I gotta finish as well. I've got a bunch of Malfa stuff I wanna get done because I'm running a gaining grounds um Lords of War on the thirtieth. That's right, you gotta pinch your Malfa, Cruise can play. You're coming out too, aren't you? On the thirtieth? Owen's playing Malifaux? What? Yeah. He's playing Fire Peoples. He can't roll dice though. No, he can't roll dice. That's, That's why, why it's perfect. But he, he hates but he, rolling dice. But he can cheat. So he can cheat. Oh, <laughs> but then when he can't cheat. It's all coming so together, so isn't it? No. You can make perfect cheat. sense? He can always cheat. <laughs> <laughs> he'll play twice because he can get butt-haired after the first game. He will, no, no, that's that's when he likes it the best. If, uh, if he wins too much, he gets bored. Yeah. He has to lose. It's like Infinity. Infinity was the perfect amount of punishment for we'll him. Well, start with the Marcus Crew. Loved it. <laughs> yes. hey, this, and, and take Hans because he misses all the it's, time. You didn't like Hans. Hans did not do well for you, it's true. Um, so anyway, but now we've just completely diverted off topic. Um, I'm also painting. <laughs> um, I have some Batman stuff I have to finish. I got a ton of train I have to finish. Um, yeah, just like way too much of everything. Yeah, that's it. What about you, Nick? Me? I've got. Well, I keep adding to my U.S. Ariadna. I still have Nomads to paint. I have a Toha army I haven't even looked at. And then I've got Retro Ray Gun. I've got War Rocket. I've got a whole bunch of Bretonians that haven't been painted at all that I've got to paint. Oh, hell, Britannia. Blood for the lady. Blood for the blood lady. <laughs> and then I've got a, I've got a whole pile of uh, Frostgrave minis that I'm working on at the moment. I find they're a good palette cleanser games like that, because Frostgrave, you paint one miniature and you feel like you've gotten something done. Right? Same with, um, same with uh, Malifaux, because you can just paint one random Malifaux model and add it to your crew. And you've actually like accomplished something. Like I, I find that in between doing big units and stuff, I'll tend to do like games like that. Yeah, same with Infinity. Actually, you paint one Infinity miniature, you probably added something interesting to your army. I've never painted one Infinity miniature at a time. You've never painted one miniature ever. <laughs> That's true. Because it's just easier to paint red in five places. It is. <laughs> Dry brushing is as easy on one model as it is on ten. It's true. You have to, it saves you all the cleaning of your paintbrush. Yep. <laughs> this is true. Welcome to Behind the Curtain. It's the most disappointing place to be ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pull back that curtain and reveal that there was nothing. There was nothing at all. No, this is such idiots. What do you think? Grand and powerful Oz is a short, fat, balding guy. Yeah. I always need the tips. Uh, until this year, it would take me an hour or two to paint a single, just regular Space Marine. Of course, it doesn't help that I would pick Black Templar and, you know, painting black and white, you know, just never works out. An hour on a model. Oh, you yeah. told me about that. <laughs> it's nothing you've ever experienced. <laughs> I think the closest I got was, like, 15... No, not even. Joni took me, like, five minutes. And yet, I've watched you spend 17 hours trying to write one army list. <laughs> I've, I've had Facebook chats with you that are weeks long about an army list for a tournament. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I can actually attest to uh, Nick and his uh, skills of getting things done. This last uh, <laughs> this last Saturday, we had a small Kings Award tournament over at our store, uh, Gigabytes Cafe, and uh, 
he showed up with like a single model glued in the middle of a cardboard base that was the footprint of his armies. I've seen that. So, <laughs> he showed up, but it was like just pieces of cardboard box that he had laying around the house. And he's like, cut it out. And he's like, this is a horde of dwarven badger riders, and just like glued a badger, not even the dwarf on the top, to the base. And <laughs> this is my movement tray. It's very true, but. <laughs> To be on, to, in my defense, I didn't even pick up the box until like Friday. <laughs> I got Was everything except for the Badger Riders put together. Because I painted those guardsmen in like an hour. I know. So I don't hear. All I'm hearing is excuses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn! All right, I'm gonna go back into the corner now. Fine, man. It's, it's I, a different. It's a different breed in Canada. Well, we broke so so my wife calls me Canadian. I'm I'm from way upstate New York. Right. Uh, if you have a Tim Hortons, you're Canadian. I don't care what yeah. country you're living. Yeah, yeah, we we had a Tim Hortons. Then you're, then you're Canada Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get validation from the Canadians. That's it. Hey, it's like it, to be fair, the the upstate like. Um, Minnesotans and uh, Michiganians and New Yorkers and Boston, you know, Magus, Massachusetts, Maine, they're all pretty Canadian because they have the same sensibilities because it sucks to live where they live, so they all tend to get along a little bit better, you know, for four months of the year when it's, the weather is just trying to kill them. <laughs> Very Coming true. from Wisconsin, I can attest to that. And adver- adversity tends to help people get along because when you're slowly freezing to death in the dark, there's no sense being shitty to each other about, like, you know, basically what kind of music you like or... Until you decide who you got to eat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's simple. That's just my body mass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you got me, buddy. <laughs> it's out of who's quicker with the shit. I didn't say the biggest one's going to be eaten first. <laughs> the one that can take the most punches is probably the one that's going to get eaten last. Yeah, we'll it's whoever it can stay awake longer. That's that's yeah, that's <laughs> I got two kids. Trust me, I can stay awake longer than either of you. <laughs> I've already stayed awake for three years. So it's another like, it's another like until you what's it? Three weeks without food? No, three weeks without food. Yeah, yeah, three weeks without food. Three minutes without air. Three weeks or three days without water. Three weeks without food. I can probably stay awake for three weeks. <laughs> I will eat you. <laughs> There's not a lot to you, but <laughs> I like making ribs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I know the title of this episode. Cannibalism. Ash, Ash Ash cannibalism. Canadian cannibalism. It's a. Probably th- <laughs> use the bear god. We <laughs> have Wendigos up here, man. We learn things from them. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. It's no. awesome, but it's horrible because it's it sounds like this is something you guys discussed in school. If you are freezing in the dark in Canada and you are with friends, <laughs> this is the process that you use in order to get from point A to point B. To, to select who gets eaten first, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> plan for things. Are you saying you don't have a plan? Yeah, exactly. How are you gonna get out of Atlanta when the when the power goes out and the zombies wake up? We've all seen that TV show. We know what's happening. Don't use a horse. <laughs> That's right. Horses are a bad idea. Horses people. People can't even drive normally, so if a zombie apocalypse happened down here, believe me, we would all be far more fucked than The Walking Dead has ever portrayed us. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, so good example of this, I work 26 miles from my house, it takes me some days an hour and a half to get there. And a lot of it is because people sit at stoplights and sit and stare at their cell phone the entire time. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad down here. 
That's illegal up here. Yeah. It's illegal here too, but now <laughs> I moved. I moved to Memphis the year after they required people to have insurance, and that was in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, insurance. You still don't have to have car repairs. If you get an accident, you just pull off all the dangling bits. And you just keep driving. You have a bumper, fender, door, window, whatever. Yeah, it depends upon what part of Memphis you drive through. You're like, oh, whatever. That's normal. No, it's it's pretty much as normal in Tennessee. Mm. <laughs> Until you get well, until you get to the Smokies, then it's all just rich people. Yeah, that's very, very true. Then you get over the Smokies, and it's poor people again. <laughs> so, how yeah. long were you in uh, Tennessee for, anyway? I was there for four years. Uh, and then you just decided, fuck the U.S. and moving back to Canada. No, 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 no. My, visa, my, my visa was up. You can't go back. <laughs> oh, actually, they could, technically, they couldn't kick me out because my daughter's American, so you can't make me leave. I have an anchor baby. Oh, we'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a wall that will fix that soon, I guess. But technically, I could have stayed. But no, we, we came home. Well, it makes sense. Awesome. Well, guys, we have hit our hour mark. Is there anything else that you guys want to say before you go? Anything crazy? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to whore out there? No, thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. Crazy other than, like, Perpetual Canadian cannibalism, or uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was kind of wondering about that question. <laughs> Can we get crazier than that? I don't know. We probably we probably we probably could. We probably actually we definitely could. We're not gonna. Everybody go buy Greenleaf Terrain. It's awesome. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. Give him more work. Give I don't want him work. to ever be able to sleep. He's never. He hasn't slept in weeks. It's the <laughs> happiest I've ever seen him. Wait. So going back to the Canadian cannibalism, Adam is doing that on a <laughs> weekly <does>. basis. <laughs> it gets cold here a lot, man. And dark. Yeah. <laughs> ever been sitting in a snowbank for six hours? You ever wonder? Yeah. You ever been in a two two hundred car like pileup in Alberta? It's just you gotta you gotta sometimes watch that fuel gauge go down while the car's only keeping you alive. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie, The Gray? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Basically, basically that's just life here. See, I like to think of it as that that moment in Star Wars with my Tauntaun. That's right. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> was twice my size around at all that's right, times. Exactly. It's you're a little tall to fit inside me, but if you curled up real tight, yeah, if you curled up real tight, just practice your uh, your uh, child pose. Yoga, you'll be fine. <laughs> for everybody else, this is a terrible catastrophe. For everybody in Canada, this is just Thursday. Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. All right, thanks for having us. See ya. Right. See ya. Have a good one. Thank you.